This is the MFG Cast. Hey guys, with you always is Kurt. We're going to do a little something different this time. Uh, we're going to go a little bit off the books. <laughs> kind of a joke. And uh, when you first hear what we're going to be doing or who we're going to be speaking to, you're going to be like, okay, this is kind of off the reservation, but um, it's really not that much further from what we, what we talk about than you think. Okay. Sometimes when you think about role-playing or if you think about maybe a story within a game, or, you know, even stories within video games, they, they have to have a narrative, you know, something that kind of drives it. It's not just the pretty pictures or, you know, the pretty graphics or whatever. There's always, there's always got to be some kind of, you know, narrative that pulls you in and makes you want to go with the story of whatever you're consuming. So this month we thought we would do something a little different. We thought we would talk to a few people that have dealt in the book arena, okay? What's a book? You might say if you're in the in your 20s or early teens, just think of it like an iPad, but it's got pages and you turn it. Oh man, it's crazy. But we've got two wonderful guests on the program today. We have got Alicia and Michael Matson from Metaphor Publications. Um, Alicia is the president, and Michael is the CFO. And thanks, guys, for coming on the podcast. Hi, Curtis. Hi. Glad to be here. Yeah, great. That's awesome. So, usually before we start our um, little podcast, when we usually do an interview, we like to get people's take of their gaming through the years. Well, since we're doing uh, more of the written word, why don't we talk about um, your guys' uh, uh, love of books or writing and where you started when you were younger and where you've come from today. So whoever would like to start, go ahead. Well, why don't we talk about gaming and books. Ooh, I like that. It's a good tie-in. How fiction crosses over between games and, of course, books and e-books. Because, like you said, there's a lot more crossover than I think some people might consider right mm-hmm. out the gate. Mm-hmm. When, when you, I think when you, as a gamer, when you get the urge to take your character off of the dungeon map and, and you start more about the things they're thinking of, of around the campfire when somebody makes a stupid remark. And I think for most of us, if, if the games are compelling that we're playing, our characters become compelling. And then our characters start supplying the narrative. And boy, that is the first step on the slippery slope. Mm-hmm. And, and before you know it, you're writing reams or, or, or megabytes, if you like, <laughs> of stuff that maybe doesn't pertain to the dice rolling that you're doing every week or so. But it, it starts to make the place where your character is living a lot more vivid. Mm-hmm. I, I, when you take that to its ultimate expression, you're writing a novel, you're writing a trilogy, you know, you're putting what you've learned as a gamer and, and as a dungeon master, game master, right into action in, in a written form, in, in a narrative that has a beginning and an end. 
and the challenges that go along with that make you branch out from from your gaming chops you know you got to really dig deep and find some different stuff but when you get to the other end you find out man this is a game i would have loved to have played (laughs) (laughs) maybe you get to the other end of your game and you think man i'd love to read this as a book sometime Mm -hmm. either way that's where we like to be i don't know Sorry, I went on. <laughs> That's okay. Inter- interviews are really easy for me. I just ask you questions and you talk for a very long time, so it makes my job way easier. Well, um, we're going to have to figure out how to make it harder then. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, good luck with that. Um, so you guys are um, a part of Metaphor Publications. How do you guys come up with uh, that as your company name? Uh, we... This isn't our first career, obviously. We've had several. Michael's most recent was as a green building contractor and consultant. But before that, we were um, life counselors, life coaches. And our company was called, well, our we called our, our practice, if you like, um, Metaphors for Life. Oh, okay. Um, I've been interested in metaphors. I think metaphor and symbol, the, the, the more deeply you can understand them, I think, the more interesting you find your life here I guess mm-hmm. to put it simply <laughs> <laughs> so we find a lot of things in life that are metaphors and we find a lot of metaphors in books that come from life and so when we went for a publishing house name I think sticking with what we love and what we know metaphor and just bringing that into this just seemed like the right thing to do mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, and, and, you know, metaphors are basically, you know, small narratives, basically, that are a lot more profound than people think, I think. You know, it's just, you know, it really tells more of a story. And it's up to the interpreter, too, of who, you know, what people think that might mean. So I kind of like, I like where you guys are going with that. So um, if anybody doesn't know, which, you know, a few people might, you, you both of you have been married for a while and you both work together. How does that work? <laughs> Well, we keep all of the sharp implements and explosives and projectile weapons carefully locked up during the work day. Nice. An eight-hour resetting password. (laughs) (laughs) You have to kind of go back to the beginning of our relationship, which was founded around words and gaming together, and and start from there. And I, I think that's... It's one of the cornerstones of our of our marriage and our relationship. And um, like any long term relationship, it goes through changes and it goes through cycles and it goes through ups and downs. And there's days when we want to strangle each other, and there's <laughs> days when we don't. And you know, it's like life. But because it's it was the cornerstone of our relationship, we wrote to each other long before there was an internet. What was it? The FidoNet. Uh, we were sending what we would call emails back and forth now for a while before we ever met. Was it was a long time. Nice. So you guys weren't like putting like messages in a bottle and throwing it into the ocean and hoping the other one got it. Like well, that's what our kids would probably call it. Yeah, I mean because you know to do it, you you, you had to pipe it in and you saved it and it went into a, a big bunch of a zip file with a bunch of other messages and you dialed out the phone. <laughs> On this rippingly fast 9,600 broad bodum, 
off it went to the next computer in the chain who would repackage everything until it eventually got I'm we're, I'm in California she moved out to California with me at the time she was living in Texas oh. you know it, it was the uh, the digital version of the Pony Express <laughs> yeah you pr- you probably you probably would have gotten her gotten to her quicker if you mailed it probably at that point you know, I had to they register were... a car a couple of weeks ago, and I really think that it would have been faster with the Pony Express than the way it's done in Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure they probably don't, you know, in California, they don't register cars as much as in other places, I bet. Um, I don't know. I think California thinks it invented the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. So... Um, so what did you guys, when you started up Metaphor Publications, what what were you striving for? You know, someone can easily say, okay, we're going to make books. You know, what was, what was your guys' plan for for this company? Was it to go straight to fantasy? Was it, you know, did you guys have a certain plan or do you just say, I really, I really had an idea, let's just make this company and go? Well, in my experience, if you're going to start a business, you need to have something more than a vague idea. But you also can't be so nailed down that you don't you don't see the opportunities when they come. Um, I, we wanted to put our fantasy world out there in a variety of ways. Yes, we're telling our stories, and we're going to be telling those stories from a lot of different vectors, all in the world of Menelon. Mm-hmm. But it's also about the world of Menelon. And we wanted to put that out there for gamers, uh, digital and analog, and other writers, and fan fiction writers. Um, so it's not just about the writing, as in just about the books. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's about the books, it's about the world, it's it's about the whole package. And presenting it in a way that, I don't know if it's unique or not, but it's certainly not common. Mm-hmm. Because the world is going to be online. Mm-hmm. So anybody can get at it. Um, yeah, it's definitely more digital these days. Um, so have you guys taken more steps into into that direction, or are you guys still trying to make that option of, are you trying to be more more of a print company, or are you trying to make it more into the digital age, or half and half? Where are you going, from, where are you going that, in that direction? No, 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 no. I, I, <laughs> we're, we're far more electronic. For instance, if you get uh, you... Uh, 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 are reading through the digital version of, of Raven's Tears, you're going to find links in there just like you would in your web browser. When you click on them, they're going to take you to a wiki mm-hmm. that has more background information. These things used to be called appendices. Mm-hmm. Now they're called wikis. <laughs> and with the background information on, for instance, the city of Fernwall, uh, on the elves and the dwarves, on the other countries and the city government, on the economics... There's a lot. The links in the book take you to the wiki, and all that information mm-hmm. is either there or is going to be there. We're going to start restructuring the wiki next month, but mm-hmm. it's still the basic information is there, and it's it's all linked to in the ebook. Mm-hmm. We have a paper book if you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> with, with each paper book we sell, I mean, our full intention is to provide a link for mm-hmm. you know a free or coupon for a free copy of the ebook because, mm-hmm. in my opinion. The, the paper book is the far secondary experience. The, the ebook is is the premium experience mm-hmm. for this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that idea. I actually um, went on went online and uh, uh, read a little bit of your Raven's Tears book, and uh, I love that idea of being able to, you know, click on a link and you know just get more of the story there. You know, it's not just 
okay, these are these are this is the story. These are you know, you you know your your characters and your narrative and stuff like that. You also have something where like it's like if you don't know about what this place is, click on this link. We'll tell you a little bit more about that. You know, if you want to know about this war, click on this. We'll get you to that. That'll kind of explain it. It gives more people more more of an all-around experience more than just, hey, this is the story and that is it. I love that aspect. And I see that happening more kind of tying it to um, role-playing games and stuff like that. I know one of our one of the MFG Cast mutual friends of uh, the Godsfall podcast where they do... Uh, fifth edition he also does a lot of online stuff you know it's more of like you know it's not just hey this is our story it's like here if you want a little bit of the background here's this if you want some of the maps here's this i love that more of that play in that universe so it's not just that one thing set in stone there's a lot more to it it's a it's a heads up if you will that that storytelling isn't linear anymore Mm mm-hmm There are linear roots and there are parts of storytelling that always will be linear. But I think as as we're moving into have moved into this information age and it's becoming more and more overwhelming, the amount of well, not only the amount of information that's available, but the amount of information that people can process Mm -hmm. is really phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So finding ways to tell your stories um, in nonlinear ways, I really think is if you're hedging your bets as a writer right now, that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Don't rely on a, a print book to be what it used to be. It doesn't mean what it used to mean anymore. It still means a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and there, in some ways, you know, making it into the big five and publishing is still the gold standard. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to be harnessed to that anymore. And and I think that's important to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so tell me a little bit of some of the books you guys have. I know, Michael, you've done a book yourself. Um, it's called Operation Fire Mission 1. Now, I'm going to ruin this. Like, I probably it's, Is it Bagadan? Very good. Yay, I did it. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about that one. <laughs> that one is, is, is a war story. Now, the other book you just mentioned, you know, Raven's Tears, mm-hmm. is the first book in a trilogy, The Raven and the Iris. Now, mm-hmm. that's set in... 580 in the current era in the world of Menelon, and that's 10 years after the end of what they're calling the Great War. Okay. Magadan is set in the last 10 years okay. of the Great War. So it's happening 20 years earlier nice. than the, the, the Raven's Tear story. And it is about a, um, a young man who finds himself assigned the captain of a ship because he has the training but he's also comes from the underclasses and so he doesn't get a good ship he gets a rust bucket and a miscreant crew and is sent on basically a suicide mission mm-hmm. and he has to figure out how to survive it baggy dan is the first story in that <clears throat> surviving that first mission how he and the crew managed to do it it's the first in a series of these are novellas. They're not novels, by the way. These are novellas. The Bagadan is, I think, twenty-two thousand words long, or something like that. About eighty pages. Okay. So they're easy reads. And each of the stories in the fire mission story are going to be about this captain and his crew and how they survived the last ten years of a war of extermination against humanity. Perfect. All right, Alicia, why don't you tell us a little bit about Raven's Tears then? Because it kind of you know goes with you know you kind of worked both of these 
novellas into one story. So where does this where does this take off from there? They share a world. They share a historical timeline, but the characters are very different. In Raven's Tears, it is a I like to call it an urban fantasy romance because mm-hmm. it is a it is a very much an urban fantasy story. It's a very it's a city story with city sophistication and 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 city pacing. Mm-hmm. But it's a romance. The, mm-hmm. the 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 plot is driven by the emotional relationship between the two protagonists who are in in Raven's Tears you you meet them as uh, Lady Angelique Blakesley and Sir Vincent Saltaire. It's not real far into it before you find out that she's got a double life, and it's not too far after that that you find out he's got one, too. <laughs> They're not being honest with each other about it. Angelique has made some pretty bad life choices up to this point. I mean, she got dealt a shit hand. <laughs> <laughs> but she made some pretty bad choices after that, and mm-hmm. they get her into trouble in Fernwall, and she commits a very high-profile crime for her handler and to her dismay her lover who is a convicted criminal who is serving a sentence to the city state of fernwall as an indentured police officer police inspector anyway Ray vincent gets set up to solve the crime and that in a nutshell is when shit hits the fan mm-hmm. and the plot thickens and gets really intense and tight and winds up to the end of the first book which i'm not going to spoil although i could i suppose it's been out long enough but no don't don't spoil it let people read it for themselves it's a very intense ending and it leaves you in a space where you're wondering oh my god what happens now We've been yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have been screamed at yep. over that ending. Yep, those are those are the best kinds. It's like it's like movie, it's like movie movies where it ends and you're like, oh, oh, I'm ser- you're supposed you're supposed to end it. You're supposed to tell me what happens. Like, you're not supposed to leave it with a cliffhanger. I love those kind of stories. So the, the basic takeaway with Raven's Tears is it starts in Angelique. Well, after the prologue, anyway, it starts with. Angelique in her mm-hmm. life and it's a it, it's social encounters not not shoot 'em up action kind of fantasy okay mm-hmm. this is a very socially driven opening to a book mm-hmm. um, and I understand that it is more challenging for some guys to get through that they feel like the points on their man card get threatened <laughs> Um, I can only tell you that the man who co-wrote it with me, this is as much his idea as mine. I don't, I've never seen his man card get dinged even once for it. So if it, this is as much about the culture and the society as a driver. I mean, there's just a lot of that information in there. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like it. I mean, you know, you're dealing with the nobility here. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. is entrenched. And as corrupt as the European nobility were, or some of our non-titled nobility in this country are today, um, and 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 that's a huge part of the book. Mm-hmm. And so it's not. This is one of the problems we've had with this series. It's a fantasy romance. Yes, it has elements of adventure in it. Yes, it has elements of costume drama in it. Yes, it has magic in it. Yes. <laughs> Dwarves, they get mentioned, yeah. But it's a very human-driven story. 
Yeah. In, yeah, in, yeah. It, 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 and humans are social creatures. Mm-hmm. Yes. Here we go. Yeah. It, it kind of transcends genre in some respects. I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Well, I like that. I like that aspect. It gives it more of a street level feel to it than just the, you know, the high fantasy that you're used to. You know, there's not there's not just oh, adventure abound and, um, you know, the guy gets the girl, or the girl gets the girl, or the guy gets the guy, or whatever. It's it's, you know, there's more of the the bullshit goings on that happens in everyday life. You know, it's not just all black and white. There's a lot of grayness to it too. So. It's you trying to work out your relationship with somebody in the midst of the mess mm-hmm. <laughs> that you've created in your life. But you're living in a world with elves and dwarves and dragons and where, where fantastical things happen. Mm-hmm. Where you can walk down the street and meet somebody who looks really very little like you. Mm-hmm. And know that the world isn't ending over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's all those things that you love about romance, I think, and about fantasy, but just mixed up in a different way. And also gaming. I mean, there's a lot of this stuff in here that, I mean, if you want to look at it that way, you could say, gee, that's really pointed at, um, you know, at the gaming community because there's that level of detail that, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just ate it up, you know, as a gamer. But you don't get it in a lot of, and if you do get it, you get it in such a two-dimensional, unrealistic way that you go, either I'm a munchkin or there's something wrong here. (laughs) (laughs) I need more. I mean, it doesn't have to be Dickens, okay, but I really like more. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, and now, you know, talking about the whole gamer thing and with stories like this and stuff like that, too, if if there's an idea you have and stuff like that, you can go off of that. You know, who does... Who doesn't say you could take, um, you know, a certain element out of Raven's Tears and put it into a role-playing game? Who, you know, who doesn't say you could take something that you like within the story of Bagadan and then, you know, take that element out and maybe write your own little story? You know, something that you want to write for you. You know, it's all this stuff is out there for creativity, you know, not only your creativity, but for the creativity of others. Well, tell you what, do that. We got a whole section on the wiki just for fan fiction. Nice. I mean, you know, it's, it's, so you know, the, again, this is this is part of why we're doing this. Yeah, take Raven's Tears and then take something out of it and and tell your own story. Tell your own story in Fernwall. We've got the whole map of the cities. Well, <laughs> it's a it's a big sky view. So mm-hmm. you know, some of the, the major streets are there. The minor ones aren't, but it's still it's there mm-hmm. and it's huge. Yep. It's the size of the San Francisco Peninsula. <laughs> and, and guess what? We're never, Michael and I, as a couple, as a creative couple, are never going to fill that out. Mm-hmm. Intentionally, we're not going to fill it out. Mm-hmm. We're leaving great big blank spaces in this world for other people. We're not entirely set up to exploit that yet, but one of the things that we're laying the groundwork for through these stories and through some of the things we're doing as gamers is, is just trying to make this as a setting accessible to as wide a number of people as we can mm-hmm. to use, mm-hmm. to play in, to have fun with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. So in your guys' opinion, what is, what is the most important element in writing a story for someone to consume? Emotional connection. Okay. Hands down for me, if, if, if as a writer um, or if I'm reading somebody else's stuff, 
that doesn't do a good enough job of, of reaching out and touching me, mm-hmm. making me care, mm-hmm. then they failed. And, and if I failed to do it, then yeah, I failed. <laughs> <laughs> that, that to me is the most important element. Why, why do you keep reading a book? You keep reading a book because you feel connected to the people in the place. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so if if you don't have that, then um, you're not going to have very many people who are very happy with, <laughs> with you. Over it's going to come off as flat, as mm-hmm. as phony, as two dimensional. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that drives me crazy are um, non sequiturs, things that make absolutely no sense, mm-hmm. and you either don't explain it to me mm-hmm. why it should make sense, or your explanation was worse than what you did in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's probably just a personal pet peeve of mine. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I, and it's not that everything has to be believable. It's just that everything has to pass the, pass the sniff test, the believability test in mm-hmm. context. Yep. Yeah, you can't just throw something out there and just expect people to know it. You have to have some kind of subtext on what it is. Well, I'll tell you one thing from the old and D&D rules that just drove me absolutely <laughs> wild was why you could throw a fireball one time and it would hit that that metal barrel over there and melt it down into a pile of molten slag slag, and you throw the same fireball another time and it won't even set a bunch of pallets on fire (laughs) yep yep or if you (laughs) or if you if you throw a huge fireball at a crate and it gets that sets on fire but then you throw it at a person and it does nothing and you're like obviously if you throw a big fireball at a person they will melt (laughs) (laughs) right you know so it, it, those are, yeah, the, the, and, and those are things that we try to build into the logic of Menelon, just and for that reason. For one thing, if it's logical as we put it together as a, as a world system, then it frees you up to come in and say, okay, well, I can do this with this piece and that with that piece. It's kind of like a recipe. Mm-hmm. We've given you the building blocks. Go play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So let me ask you this. What's the, what's the worst part of writing? It never ends. <laughs> the never-endingness of it. Um, the worst part of writing, I think it's when I go actually go back the next day and realize everything I've written is crap. <laughs> I hate those days. I actually like those days you sit down and you say, oh, God, that was crap. But maybe I can fix it. So you spend another day fixing it, and you come back the day after and go, that's still crap. <laughs> in, in, I think in, in conjunction with that, it, it's the vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a bugaboo of mine all my life. I, I, by admitting it, I start to conquer it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I need to make myself vulnerable to make my characters vulnerable. Yep. And that's hard for me. Mm-hmm. That personally speaking, that's that's my my biggest challenge as a writer, mm-hmm. just to stay in touch with my own vulnerability and to to make it believable in my characters. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about um, you know other writers writing a story, and, and 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 I think that's key. There's a lot of similarity between writing fiction and acting. Mm-hmm. If you can't connect to it, you can't write it convincingly. That doesn't mean you need to be, you know, the archmage of whatever to write an archmage of whatever, but you do have to find a way to connect with that person as a person and emotionally so that you know why they're doing what they're doing and why they're not and what they will do and what they won't do. And the rest is just mechanics. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 
like a car or a gun or a boat or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's the person that makes it go and makes it work. And if you don't have that kind of authenticity in yourself that you're putting out there on the page, the reader's going to see it and they're going to feel it. For sure. Just like that. Yeah. So have have one of you written something and the other looks at it and goes, uh, no, that's you. That is not very good. All the time. <laughs> You're like, I thought that was brilliant. Leave me alone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is our internal check. I think it actually probably gives us an advantage is that we can do that. If that doesn't work, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. There's something there. As a co- I mean, writing as a couple, writing with someone else collaboratively collaboratively you've got to shed a lot of your ego mm-hmm. you just do you can't always be right you can't always have it your way the magic comes in when you surrender part of your idea so that someone else can come in and make it better mm-hmm. but that's hard yep, it really <laughs> is it really is it's a you know even even dealing dealing with this podcast you get a lot of people that want to share their opinion and at first you're like um, fuck you. I don't care what you think, you know, but you know, but then, but then you think you sit back there and you kind of, you know, you kind of reflect on it and you're like, well, you know, maybe they were right. You know, let's take a look at it, you know? And, you know, a lot of times they're, what they're saying is, you know, what's the correct thing? Because a lot of times whoever is consuming what you're putting out there usually knows what they like. And they obviously like you because they're going to, they're telling you what exactly they think that, you know, maybe you should do better. And there's other people that may go about the wrong way. But sometimes it's with the best intentions. They just might not say it the right way. Totally. So. Yeah, that's 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 another skill that I think. Well, for me, I'm still trying to learn is how to take how to process the information that you get back on what you write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, sure. there's valid criticism, and there's people that just you know they're never going to be happy. There's people that don't understand. Uh, one of the first critiques we had on on uh, Raven's Tears was that we had a press corps. And I read that, and I was like, lady, do you know when the newspaper was invented? <laughs> <laughs> do you know when press corps came into existence? <laughs> what do you mean there's no press corps in, in what is effectively more or less a 19th century setting? Come yeah, on. Yeah, they were yeah. doing three editions a day. The New York Times did four editions a day for a while. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's all about what you know, and sometimes people think they know a little bit more than they do. I will... Well, that's that's fun when you're writing too, because you get into something and, and you you're writing it the way you think it ought to come out, but mm-hmm. then you stop and look at it and you think, you know, I don't actually know how that works, so maybe I better go look into <laughs> yep. it. Yep, I, I've I've dabbled in some writing too, and it, it's it's funny when you when someone else looks at something and you're like, and they're like, that is totally wrong, and you're like. For real? I'm like, uh, I thought that my whole life. Well, I'm glad you told me now. Oh, well. <laughs> Learn something new every day, I guess. Yep. Yep. Um, so. And Michael and I, you know, we, we, we do that for each other an awful lot. And he calls me, like, I'll, I'll turn the story over to him. We have to write sequentially right now because of the setup that we've got. Mm-hmm. So I'll finish what I'm doing. I'll turn it over to him. And he looks at me and goes, you totally pulled that out of your ass, didn't you? <laughs> I go, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then he'll fix it for me. So it's all good. Yeah. So do you guys take certain parts in stories and say, I'm going to write this, I'm going to write that? Is it something where you you um, kind of do it on the fly? How does that work? Kind of like gaming, actually. Okay. <clears throat> Only there's no GM. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, the, the main characters, there's usually two or three or four or whatever, but anyway, they're, they're minor hers. Mm-hmm. The minor characters, we may or may not pass back and forth, but it's not so critical. Okay. Um, as long as we have the voice for them established, right. it, mm-hmm. we pass them back and forth and, fairly easily. And the older, the I'll use a gaming term, the older the NPCs get in a story, the easier it is to just say, look, I got to write for my character. Can you can't take over a uh, red shirt here for a minute? You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> 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 so, yeah, it's and scene setting the same way. Um, one of us will, if somebody has inspiration, we'll do it. If I have inspiration and she doesn't, I'll do it. Vice versa, if nobody has inspiration, we bang our heads against the wall for a while and then go do it anyway. <laughs> or discuss is the scene really necessary? We can't even get inspired to come up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you say, we gotta do this. We gotta have something. We can't think of a way in. Yeah. Yep. One of my favorite comedians told, uh, told a joke, which I think kind of pertains to anybody that does that anybody that does something creative you know it's he he says you know um i like to think of a joke and if i if there's not a pen a pen or paper near me then i just have to prove my to myself that that wasn't funny so i just scrap it you know so i i you know sometimes that idea is kind of thrown up there too where you know it's like okay it's got to be what we want it to be otherwise let's just not do it all together Pretty much. Yeah. Um, we have a we have a, a ring of authenticity and truth test that we put all this stuff through. And if it doesn't pass, it doesn't make it into print. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've had enough, spent enough time in my life bending over backwards to please other people with the stuff that I do. Mm-hmm. And, and they end up not liking it anyway, you know. <laughs> so I don't like it and they don't like it and nobody wins. Yeah. This way, you know, when I tell this story with that ring of authenticity and truth and, and I listen for it every time. At least I will like the story when it's done, and Michael will like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's an old Tom Clancy thing. Somebody asked Tom Clancy one time what kind of why he writes the stories he writes. He said, "Well, I write the stories I want to read." Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. If you don't like it, then why do it? That's, a, that's what I say. <laughs> hey, this is shit. Let's just hand it over, and hopefully somebody will enjoy it. And yeah, can't do it that way. So here- what, I'm, what I'm waiting for is somebody to, who's read Raven's Tears come up to me and say, okay, I know that you rolled, I know, I can see where you rolled the dice. <laughs> I, I see you in there, old lady gamer. I see where you rolled that dice. <laughs> I, I, nobody's done it yet, and I'm really just waiting. I think maybe not enough gamers have read this yet. <laughs> nice. But I'm totally waiting for somebody to say, I, well, we've already, we've still got the bed open for the character alignments for Vincent and Angelique. Nice. So that's still open. If you want to submit what you think their alignments are, we're dying to know. <laughs> um, but also, <laughs> yeah, if you know me, I'm Zen Stitcher on Twitter. Tell me where you think we rolled the dice. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I think it's funny. I think it's fun. Yeah. Yep. It's that interaction is always the best. You know, it's 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 nice to see you know what other people think of it not just you know just having it out there it's nice to have that interaction too so definitely yeah, get out there love, and do that we do we love it when when people who've read the book even if you didn't like it mm-hmm. if you can tell me why you didn't like mm-hmm. it i can respect that i mean mm-hmm. it's just not for you yep. that's cool yeah uh, if you didn't like it, leave a review and tell people why you didn't like it mm-hmm. be specific about it people yep. need to know yep uh, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's just it's really important that one of us like the story. 
Mm-hmm. In this case, it, it's definitely going to be me. Okay. Without revealing too much, you've got Dead Man's Trigger coming out in November, correct? Yes. What uh, What is that story going to pertain? <laughs> it picks up, it's, it's the second book. Mm-hmm. It follows Raven's Tears, for those who don't know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Raven's Tears is a trilogy, and this is the second book in the trilogy. Raven, well. Dead Man's Trigger picks up about four months after the events that closed down Raven's Tears. Mm-hmm. Um, Vincent's degenerating into some very bad life choices. Uh, Angelique is struggling under the burdens that she's assumed with her barony. And Lewis finds a way to turn up the pressure mm-hmm. to get Angelique back. And the middle book of this trilogy is probably the least romance-like of the three in that it's about how it is, it's, it's the middle book of three for one thing, but also it's about how these two have to decide what to sacrifice in order to get back together. And and the tagline for the book is what wouldn't you do for love? Mm Mm-hmm. What wouldn't you do for love? Mm-hmm. Because that's the question that you end up asking over and over again as you go through this. Mm-hmm. Each choice that they make until, well, all the way through the book, actually, it it, it leads. It, it, it's almost like you can see what's coming, mm-hmm. and you just hope you hope you're wrong. <laughs> you're watching the train wreck and waiting for something to prevent it. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. I, I, and I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to leave people thinking, "Oh God, it's so grim." I don't want to read it because <laughs> there's a lot of redemption. These two redeem each other mm-hmm. in this in this part of the story. I, I can at least say that much. Mm-hmm. They 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 get away past the lies. They get away into and below and and past the masks that they wear and find out what's real. Yeah, the, uh, and I don't want to really give you too much more than that because um, the ending of the second book launches you into what's probably going to be a pell-mell race to the end of the third <laughs> once the third book's released. And we've decided that's going to be September of 2016. Nice. You heard it first here. Oh, I love exclusives. <laughs> So after the end of the second book, are you going to have people yell, yelling at you again? I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> I fully kind of expect us to have to go into hiding. <laughs> There's also a lot more um, about the Cascadian Society of the City in there for the gamers who are interested in environment and stuff it, like that. It moves, mm-hmm. it moves downtown rather than uptown. Uh, you get a lot more of the street level. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people in, in Merchants and in Docktown who, who don't have the fancy titles and, 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 the, and the fat bank accounts, you know? Mm-hmm. So you get a little more into the nitty-gritty, the, the seamier underside of Fernwall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, just like any second book, you've got to kind of bring the story along in more of a, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the word I'm thinking of. It's, I'm thinking, like, it's not first word that comes to mind is like hardcore but that's not what i want to say it's you you, it's more of the meat of the story where it really brings everything 
you know, into focus. And, you know, even though you said, you know, maybe it won't, you know, it may not, it may seem a little bleak. A lot, a lot of times with romance and stuff like that, some of the drama that comes with romance is what really drives it to become a great thing once they can overcome some of the bad things that occur. So, um, I'm that sure is that, so totally true. Yeah. It really is. The darker the night, the brighter the dawn. If you mm-hmm. forgive a really key, yeah, yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. yeah, but and so I think if for those of us who've been lucky enough to have been in relationships, and especially longer term relationships, so Vincent and Angelique are at the beginning of their gig, mm-hmm. but the, 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 to to have that priceless opportunity to be present in somebody's life when they're working this stuff out. Mm-hmm is um i mean it's pretty cool for and i'm a desk jockey right mm-hmm. how much cooler is it if you're you know free running across the rooftops of fernwall because you're just that cool mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know I mean, fantasy is primarily imagination mm-hmm. you know it's where your imagination takes you and then this raven and iris trilogy is where um this is where our imaginations go together at least to hear it first it's our first official attempt as a couple to tell a story perfect so do you guys have anything after the raven and the iris that you have an idea of i you know i'm not i don't want any like you know oh I'm, we got you know tell me the whole story but do you guys have an idea to expand in that world or is it something you're going outside of have you even looked that far Oh, no, no, no. Everything we have planned is is in the world of Menelon. Oh, perfect. Um, and partly for world development reasons, partly just because we're dilettantes and can't stay in one place for too long. <laughs> uh, they're in different places on the planet. Um, in fact, one place that we're going to be writing from doesn't exist. Oh. But we're going to write from there anyway. Another one takes place in the country that uh, Angelique supposedly came from. Venora. Uh, another one takes place in a place that's only been mentioned, uh, the Empire, the Empire of Sudan. So, yeah, we've got lots of different angles that we're going to be looking at uh, at the world of Menelon from, different characters, even different species. And different storytelling forms. It's different, different, different storytelling forms, different voices, different genres. Mm-hmm. Bagadan is a, is a war story, uh, Raven and Iris is a, a, a romance. <laughs> We're all over the place. <laughs> I, I'm not quite. We, we, I've got some novellas planned around um, the the, uh, the more esoteric side of the war. The, the, they're called the Demon Gate series. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's the Elven War. It's it's the side of this that the Elves fought, and uh, they for the humans. On Menelon, it is a largely untold story, but for the rest of everybody else who's reading along, this you 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 start to learn why the elves are there and what they're doing there, and what they really are. Yeah, and what they really are. Mm-hmm. And but those don't. I don't think I'm going to be able to get started on those until after we've got the third book done. There's mm-hmm. a possibility I will, mm-hmm. but he's got more fire mission story novellas to do. Yeah, we've got tons of stuff and and not just novels and novellas we're talking about serial fiction we're talking about videos we're talking about 
all kinds of multimedia stuff. The ideas right now are coming faster almost than we can write them down. <laughs> well, that's great. I I can tell by just, you know, you guys explaining everything and, you know, what's coming and, you know, what you've written and stuff like that. You really are enthralled in what you what you really believe what you're writing and you really are telling that story and I can tell you guys have a passion for it. So that's, it's great to hear when, you know, someone is doing something and like a lot, you know, it's, it kind of seems obvious as I say it, but it's, it's nice when someone is doing something that they are passionate about and not just doing it just to do it or not just doing it to get it out there saying, Oh, Hey, look, I wrote a book. You know, it's, you're actually, you know, going for something that will, you know, last the test of time. And not only are you just focusing on, you know, a few books here and here and there, but you're actually looking to build a world that can just really get more expansive as the books go on. And I, I really think that's great. Well, why, why did why did you read uh, Harry Potter, for example? Yeah, yeah. You just you get hooked uh, who on cares that. about Harry Potter? Harry Potter's a nice kid and all, but really, I mean, you know, Hogwarts, Hogwarts, yeah, Hello, you yeah. Diagonally, you know, and, and and this is the same kind of thing. So you know, the, the generic world stuff is there, and we're giving it away, and the stories dive deep. Mm-hmm. The stories take you into the inner, like for instance, in Dead Man's Trigger, you're going to go down into the dirty part of town, mm-hmm. and you're going to go into the uh, into the gutter. And you're going to meet the people that live there. And that's the kind of stuff you don't get out of a source book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And, and, I, and I, I, what I, ha- I liked about Tolkien, what I liked about Harry Potter, was that you had the enjoyment of the world. But when you wanted to go live there for a while, you could mm-hmm. pick up a book. Mm-hmm. We've got something for your listener. All right. Sounds good. Tell us about it. Uh, we have a coupon. If you go to our website, metaphorpublications.com, and you click on any of the ebooks, the Bagadan ebook or the uh, uh, Raven's Tears ebook, and you put in the coupon code MFGCAST, Ooh. you check out, uh, the price will go to zero, and you can download the book for free. Awesome. Either one, both, whichever. <laughs> I, I would suggest both. Because they both sound like great stories, and you can't have one without the other. If you want the paper book, you can order it too, and you know we'll be happy to send you one. We can't give those away, of course, because the printers <laughs> like money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we can't give that one to you. But the eBooks would remain free in any case. Awesome. So that's on our website only. That's not on Amazon or any place else. Just okay. on our website. Okay. So go to go to metaphorpublications.com. The Click books on. are on the sidebar on the, on the on the right hand side. You'll see the covers right there, and and just just click on it. You'll go right into the cart. And while you're doing that, on the right, there's a place where you can sign up for the newsletter if you want. There you go. So you can find more information about uh, Dead Man's Trigger, among other things, and how to pre-order it when we get that ready, and and the other the other plans that are coming because there's a ton of them. Nice, perfect. Well. I think I've exhausted all my questions, and we've talked for quite a bit. And I, I appreciate yeah. you guys taking the time to talk to us. It's been phenomenal. Appreciate you asking us. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> it's been great. So, so besides just going to the website, where are other places that um, our fans can reach you? 
Well, we're both on Twitter. Uh, Metaphor Publications also has a Twitter account. Our personal Twitter accounts are there. I said earlier I'm Zen Stitcher, and Michael is... Metapub, M-E-T-A underscore pub, which is only slightly different from the company Twitter account, which is Metpub, Met underscore pub. Confusing yet? (laughs) (laughs) Do we need to say that again three times fast? (laughs) Yes, do it now. Publications has a Facebook page. Perfect. I have a Facebook page, but I hate Facebook, so yeah. I'm never there. Yeah. I only um, go on Facebook to tell my parents what I've been doing that day. That's pretty much about what I do for Facebook anyway. <laughs> uh, we have, we are, I, I'm flirting with Google+, Plus, but we're really having problems finding common ground for a long-term relationship. Mm. Uh, there goes that internet thing again. So yeah. many, So many problems. No, but, not enough solutions. <laughs> yeah, for now, I think that's where we are for social media. Pretty much. I mean, we can always be reached through any of the email addresses, mm-hmm. support at Metaphor Publications. We uh, both monitor that one. Right. Perfect. So, and, and, and by the way, if anybody has any trouble you know, getting the books uh, through the cart service, they shouldn't, but who knows? Definitely. Um, give us an email, support at Metaphor Publications. Yep. Or definitely, or you know, hit uh, hit our Twitter at MFGCast two, and we can always drop a line too. So. Totally, totally. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Michael and Alicia, for coming on. I appreciate it. And um, here's to the success for Dead Man's Trigger once it comes out. <laughs> Looking forward to it. It's a crazy time. <laughs>